Today is December the 31st of the year 2017. We're on the brink of a new year. I want to ask you for the next 30 minutes, you would focus yourself on God's Word. I want to assure you that what is going to be shared these next 30 minutes could change your life. I really believe that. If we will buy into what God's Word is saying to us today and the story that we're going to look at, it could change the year 2018 for you. So let me talk about this. I hope you're taking notes. Write this one down. The first step to making a change in your life is a clear vision of who you want to be. You know, but before you can do something, you've got to see it. You've got to perceive it. And the first step, if you want to make any kind of changes in your life, is you've got to be able to see it in your mind before it comes out in action. If you're a salesman, you know, you've got to visualize walking in that place for the 10th time and making that sale. If you're an athlete, you've got to visualize catching the game-winning touchdown or shooting that free throw in the last second. You've got to see it in your mind before it happens. If you want your marriage to be better in this coming year, you first of all got to have the faith to visualize it. If you want to be a stronger, more dedicated Christian, you've got to first see it. You see, because what you see goes a long ways to what you do. In fact, even coming in this assembly today, what you visualize before you walk in those doors will in great measure determine what you experience. If you walk in these doors this morning just thinking, you know, I need to go to church, I need to check the box, I need to go there, and this will be an okay thing, and we'll make it through worship, and I'll endure the sermon, and then we'll go home and do what we want to do. That's about what you're going to experience. But if you walked in here with a prayer on your lips and you believed that God was going to work and you have a vision that your life could be changed and that God's word would encounter your heart, I'm telling you, if you envision that, it will change you. Let me, let me hit this one in a different direction. Uh, I get two consistent questions about preaching, okay? Here are the two questions. Number one, do you still get nervous? Number two, do you practice before you preach, all right? And, and let me try to answer those things. I think we'll tie into what we're talking about. Uh, do I still get nervous? Not normally. Uh, do, I, do I practice before I preach? I used to, I don't. But this is what I do that takes care of both of those things in my heart. If, if I can visualize it. Now, years ago, I would come in here, you know, on a Saturday night, I'd stand up here, I'd go through the whole thing, you know, I would preach it. But now, here's what I can do. If I can visualize it, if I can say, okay, buddy, you're going to start here and you're going to do this. Even I'm going to walk to this part of the stage during this point, and I'm going to come over here at this point. I visualized the whole thing in my mind. And when I visualized it and I prayed about it, and I actually believe when I get up here today that I've got something to say to you from God. I'm telling you what, the nervousness goes away because the issue is not me. The issue is God. And, 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 and the practice doesn't have to be literally physical. The practice goes on in my mind. Because if I walk up here and I don't really have visualized where we're going to be right now and where we're going to be 30 minutes from now, I'm not going to do a very good job and I probably would be nervous because I'd be fumbling around. But if God can give me a vision of that and I can believe that, and that's what I'm saying to you about your life. If before you walk into the year 2018, if God could give you a vision of things being better, then it can happen. If you just expect the same old, same old, that's exactly what you're going to get. So here's what we're going to talk about this morning. First of all, vision is unusual. It's just unusual in the day we live. Second, vision is essential. If you're going to change, you've got to see it. And third, vision is powerful. 
Now today we're going to God's Word. If you have your Bible, go to Numbers chapter 13 with me. And um, you know this story. And let me give you the background of it. God's people are on the on the cusp of, of entering the promised land. They have been delivered. Think about this. They have been delivered from bondage in the most powerful nation in the world of Egypt. They have now come to the point to cross the Jordan River and to go into the promised land. And they're about to walk in. And God says, here's what I want you to do. Before you go in, I want you to go spy the land out. I want you to check it out. Now listen to what God said. Chapter 3, verse 13, verse 2. Send some men. They choose 12 men from the 12 tribes. Send some men to explore the land of Canaan. Here, pay close attention to this. Which I am giving to the Israelites. Understand this. The spy's job was not to go into the land and decide whether to go or not. It was simply to check it out and give them a report about what it looked like. It was to prepare them to enter. They're not given the option of coming back and saying, we're not doing it. God says, I am giving you this land. But we're going to see in this story, the vision to conquer that land is extremely unusual. We're going to see the 12 men come back. We're going to see 10 say there's no way to do it. We're going to say two say there's every way to do it. And we're going to learn some things about vision this morning. And we're going to look at our hearts and see if we're prepared to walk into the new year. Let's start reading Numbers chapter 13. Let's go to verse, verse 27. They've come back. They've gathered at Kadesh. Then they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's the fruit. They bring these big fruits, like hanging on these rods. It's so beautiful. It's that land that God had promised. And it does flow with milk and honey. Here's the fruit. But, and there's the, the worst word in the passage. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We saw the descendants of Anak there, and the Amalekites lived there, Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Obamaites, the Trumpites. Uh, I just want to make sure you all pay attention. Y'all with me, okay? They're all there anyway. They live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea, and some of you are still mad at me, and along, <laughs> stay with me, near the sea and along the Jordan. Here's the first point we want to see. Most people see problems. Visionaries see potential. The majority report is, oh, this was beautiful. This was lush. It was exactly what God said. But my goodness, there are some giants in the land, and we're not going to be able to do anything about it. And guys, it's so easy to see problems. Sometimes we think leadership is seeing problems. My goodness, it takes no kind of leadership, no kind of visionary to just see the problems. Most people can see problems. That's the majority. The question is, can you see what it could be? Some of you can walk in an old house that's falling apart, and you go, my goodness, I wouldn't touch this because this is nothing but a set of problems. Some of you can walk in there, and you can visualize something beautiful and grand. Now, let's keep reading. Look at verse 31. Then Caleb silenced, I didn't get to verse 31st. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. 
So most people see problems. Visionaries see potential. Then go to verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack these people. They're stronger than we are. And and they're spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they explored. They said the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw, they are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. there. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Next point, very similar. Most people exaggerate difficulties. Visionaries magnify God. Did they see the same thing? Yes. Did they see the same thing? No. I mean, Joshua and Caleb come back and say, by all means, we need to enter in. God has promised this. Let's go. The other guys come back and say, man, we are so small. We look like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And, and second, how do they know that they look like grasshoppers in the other people's eyes, they tell them? And they're just, they're just exaggerating the problems. And guys, so many of us, when we, 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 we come to life and what we want to be and what needs to happen, especially in the world we live in, we can exaggerate the difficulties. Where the key here, and guys, we, we're not here to discount difficulties. You got them, I got them, we all got them. But the, the question here that changes everything is do you magnify God? You see, they saw the same thing, except the majority report didn't see God. And I ask you today in your life, do you magnify difficulties or do you see God? It's all about what you see. And then let's march into chapter 14. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled (coughs) against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, "This this is such a crazy line. If only we had died in Egypt. Really? You've got to be kidding me. Where you were murdered and enslaved? You want to go back to that? Or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Can you believe that? They have just been delivered from the most powerful nation on earth. They have literally walked on dry ground through the Red Sea. They have turned around and watched the whole Egyptian army swallowed in the water. And now you're saying, oh my goodness, we're scared to death of this, and we would actually be better off going back to where we were. Here's our next point. Most listen to critics. Visionaries listen to God. Yeah, I mean, see, here's the problem is the 10 didn't keep their report to themselves. They go back to the people and they begin to share with them, we can't do this. This is awful. These guys are giants. We're grasshoppers. You know what? Who led us this way? We don't need Moses as our leader anymore. He's leading us into trouble. After all Moses had done, I ask you, do you listen to the critics or do you listen to God? We live in a world where we are prone to believe the negative. We're prone to forget that God said, I'm going to do this for you. We're prone to forget the promise is the promised land. And so we start believing the negative. 
I always love it when somebody comes to me complaining about something at church. And they, they, again, they, normally they can't just complain on their own. They also have to throw this line in that I've learned not to pay much attention to. And a lot of other people feel this way, which means their wife and their cousin in Minnesota, okay? I mean, there's just a lot of folks that aren't liking what you're doing, buddy. We just need, we just need to, right? and that's what happens here. It's just the negativity, guys, and that's, that's the choice we've got to make. Do we let the negativity spread, or, or do we believe God? Do we listen to what God has said, or we can listen to what a bunch of faithless, negative people? You know why most churches don't do much of anything? is because they are governed by the lowest common denominator. In most churches, if anybody says, I don't like that, oh, that made me uncomfortable what you guys did last Sunday, most churches will shut it down. I'm telling you, we are not that kind of church. We are going to be more intent in listening to what God says we should do than what people who aren't even looking at God's word. Most of the stuff we gripe about has nothing to do with God's word. So let's keep reading. This is a great story in it. Man, I'm loving preaching today. How y'all doing? <laughs> Verse 3. Why is the Lord... Oh, we've already gone to that one, okay? Let's, let's go on. Let me make another point. Here's another point. Go with this. Most glorify the past visionaries point to the future. Guys, listen to me. It is so easy to live in the good old days. We all have them. We all have those glory days. Oh, I remember, man, I remember when I was so fired up for God. I remember, I remember when the church was so strong. Guys, we're forgetting a lot of stuff there. I remember when people did this. We all tend to live in the glory days. We all, if we're not careful, think, you know, that was when it was really great. Many of us go, you know, I, my, 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 my best days spiritually were about there. Can I, can I ask you this question? Are your best days spiritually in the past? Are they back when you were in youth group, man, and everybody was really together? Or is it back when you were part of a crazy, fired-up campus ministry? Back when you were young married and had plenty of time to hang out with all your friends, you didn't have any kids? Is, is it... Is, this is just a really bad signal this morning. If your best days spiritually are in the past, there's a problem. And if we're not careful, man, we got a great tradition here at this church, and God has done powerful things since the foundation of this church in amazing ways. We, and, and I love to tell those stories, and I tell those stories. But my friends, if we look at it, man, remember Landmark back when it was this way? Remember when we made this change and this happened? We're always in trouble, man. My goodness, we, we, we've got to see, you know what? God did some great things, and that's a great foundation for what we're about to do. But we believe that God will do more than we ask or imagine as we go to the future. So let's keep looking at our story. They're ready to go back to Egypt. They're ready to reject Moses. Poor Moses. Look, look, look at verse 5. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered here. Joshua, the son of Nun, Caleb, the son of Japheth, who were among those who had explored the land, they tore their clothes and they said to the entire Israelite assembly, what are they saying? Come on, guys. Come on, listen. Don't be like everybody else. This land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. That's what God told us. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone. But the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. 
I mean, just, let me stop there just a second. To not believe what God can do is rebellion against God. These guys don't think they're being rebellious. They think they're being realistic. And I'm telling you, if you're walking in this new year with a lack of faith and a lack of vision, I'm not trying to sugarcoat it. It can be rebellion against God. And they are begging them. But look what happens after they say this. They say, we're protected. God's with us. Don't be afraid. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. Talk about shooting the messenger. In that day, you said you stoned the messenger, all right? They don't want to hear what God could do. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meetings to all the Israelites. One more point here. Most people live by fear. Visionaries live by faith. Most of us live by fear. Visionaries live by faith. Let me, let me use, first of all, sort of a, a secular Montgomery example of this. About 15 years ago, when, when downtown redevelopment started, Mayor Bobby Bright was going to build Riverwalk Stadium. I can remember the restaurant I was in. I can remember some of you sitting in that restaurant and people going, ain't no way that's going to work. That's a waste of money. No one's ever going to go to decrepit downtown to watch a baseball game. We got to get that guy out of office. This is crazy. Downtown Montgomery is dead and it's always going to be dead. I mean, don't, don't, don't raise your hand there, but I could name your names, okay? I, rem- I, 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 I remember the conversation. But look what's happened the last 15 years. It's the coolest part of our city. And a lot of us criticized some of our mayors who actually invested some money to try to get it started. And now, have you been reading the paper? There are investors from New York to Chicago to Korea that are coming and putting their money in old buildings in downtown Montgomery. Now, guys, most of us would have killed it. Most of us wouldn't have taken the risk. But thank God we've had a couple of mayors who actually had a vision that something really cool could happen there. People might actually want to live there. And today it's the safest part of Montgomery. Now that's just a secular example. What happens when you put God in something? How many of us are more prone to say, let's don't try it, let's don't do it. What could happen I love the moment in our church's history where we had a group of leaders who said, we are not going to be concerned about keeping saved people happy as much as we are about reaching lost people. And a lot of people said it couldn't be done. And a lot of people in this city said, Landmark will never make our building payment. But thank God for some visionaries who saw what could happen who didn't live by fear. You see, some of us, we've been grown up, many of us grew up in a religious system that basically said this. It's just bottom line. If it's different, it's wrong. If it's not the way I grew up and not the way they did church back then, then, you know, we always, we've heard that safety first sermon. You know what I mean? Play it safe. What I mean is live by fear. If it's different, it's wrong. Listen to me, my friends. Different is not always wrong. It's not always, you know what different normally is? Different is different. Isn't that crazy? Different is just different. And guys, we've got to be willing to go, you know, or we can stretch ourselves to reach the people that we need to reach. Because let me tell you what faith is. Faith is vision. 
And vision is looking at life. Catch this one. Vision is looking at life through the eyes of God. Vision is looking at life through the eyes of God. Can I ask you this morning, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to enter this new year with a blank sheet and go, you know what? What I want to see is not what I want to see. What I want to see is what God wants me to see. Are you willing to pray, God, would you just reveal to me what you see about my life? Would you reveal what your will is for our church? Would you reveal what we could do in our neighborhood to love those neighbors as you've loved us? Would you get that vision? So let me go back to our point. Vision is so unusual. I am I'm concerned that vision is an endangered quality. We live in such a negative, cynical world where no side gives either side any credit. Where if one side takes one, one point, what we're going to do is we're going to not only criticize them, we are going to destroy them. And so any idea anybody brings up is immediately destroyed by partisanship in our government. And I'm telling you, it is bled over into our lives. We give people the worst motives. We think it's our job to come to church or go to work or go to the mall or go anywhere and critique what goes on. We think it's our job to tear down. And guys, in this cynical world, if you want to be different, if we want to be like Joshua and Caleb, I'm telling you what, we've got to, we've got to reject that kind of negativity. Because right now, guys, I'm telling you, it's endangered. Here's what I want to hear from this church. I want to hear some of you dream big. I want to hear some of you push me, push the elders, and say, you know what, why don't we do something great for God? I don't want you to be satisfied with the status quo. We got a great church and neat things are going on, guys, but we're not reaching near enough people for Jesus Christ if that's our goal. And we need people that, we, we need people that are upset, not in a negative way, but upset in a positive way that says, you know what, let's go for it. So it's our negative, cynical world that makes this so unusual. And I want to, I want to show you one more thing, I think, that really makes it so hard today. And it's, it's this little the phone. Yeah, guys, I love the iPhone. I'm not being completely negative about it. There are a lot of great things about it. But here's what's going on with us, guys. Here's what's happening. Is we are so distracted, we're not visionaries. Vision happens when you are alone with God. Vision happens when you have time to reflect on, on what's happened in the past, what God could do in the future. But here's what's happened because of this little cool deal. Is at any moment in my life, if life gets boring, I can be distracted by this. I can go on the internet. I can search this. I can go on Facebook. I can communicate. All good things. But if this is taking over your life, here's what studies are saying. Is that young people growing up in this generation... They don't know how to have self-reflection. They don't know how to slow down and think. Can I ask you guys, how many of you sleep with your phone? Raise your hand. It's okay. I'm not, I'm not going to condemn you. Well, maybe. Okay. But, but a lot of them are like, yes. <laughs> I mean, again, and we got many of us sleep with it right by our bedside. It's the first thing we see at night. It's the last thing we see. And guys, I'm not, this is a great tool in lots of ways. I'm not, I'm not condemning it. But I'm saying is, if you're uncomfortable getting alone, and if you don't get yourself away from media and all these voices, you'll never have a chance to be a great visionary. Because vision happens in a quiet place where you're listening and reflecting on God. And next point here, just two more points. Vision is essential. The scripture says, where there is no vision, my people perish. 
literally. Listen to me, guys. Those 10 spies and the people of Israel who said, we can't go in, God said about them, they will never, they will never enter the promised land. And they all died. They died. Vision, guys, is a death nail in your life. A lack of vision is a death nail. You know, if you enter this, you're closing this last year out, and man, I understand, we probably got the gamut of how we're feeling. And you're discouraged and you're depressed, I've been there. Let me tell you what it is. It's a lack of vision. You're most depressed and most discouraged when you can't see things get better. If you can't see your marriage get better. If you can't see your job get better. If you can't see you get better. If you can't see the church get better. That's when we begin to die. Because listen to me, friends, the status quo doesn't motivate anybody. And one more point, vision is powerful. I love a couple quotations from some great people out of Hollywood. Walt Disney, if you can dream it, you can do it. If you need a more modern quotation, how about George Lucas, Star Wars guy? Dreams are extremely important. You can't do it unless you can imagine it. Oh, they're saying, you, you got to see it first. They're powerful. It's an old story, but I love it. 1973, Disney World is opening up. Disney World's opening up. Walt Disney is dead. He's passed away. Walter Cronkite is sitting beside Mrs. Disney, and they're having this great ceremony opening up Disney World. It's amazing. And Walter Cronkite so badly wants to say the right thing to Mrs. Disney to comfort her. And so finally he leans over and whispers in her ear, wouldn't it be great if Walt were here to see this today? And I love her response. Mr. Cronkite, if Walt had not first seen this, you would not see it today. I mean, he had a vision of what would happen And what's needed in our negative, cynical world is we need history-making visionaries who can see it, who believe God can do it. And I'm giving you some secular examples. That's like the Tower of Babel. Don't, Don't forget the Tower of Babel. Those people could do great things without God. That's what that story teaches you. But what it makes you want to imagine is, what in the world could we do with God? What Jesus says is we can move mountains. So we need people like that young monk who decided everybody needed the chance to read the Bible and started the Protestant Reformation. We need people like Thomas Jefferson, who's 32 years old, wrote in the Declaration of Independence, all men are created equal. We need young people like the young African-American preacher in this city who decided to make Jefferson's dream a reality. We need visionaries like a young president who said, within a decade, we can put a man on the moon. We need visionaries like an old president who stood at the Berlin Wall and said, tear down this wall, Mr. Gorbachev, who actually, when everybody laughed at him and all of his advisors said, strike that from your speech because nobody believed communism could really be beaten. What it took in all of those things was someone who could see beyond what was going on, someone who could imagine And what I'm saying to you today is for you to enter this new year, you've got to have a great imagination. Let me give you your first step, and this is so, so simple. 
Uh, look, look at the next slide there, your first step there. Here's what later on in, in Numbers chapter 14, here's how Caleb is described. I love this. Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly. I mean, I would love for that to be the epitaph on my grave. I mean, I mean, everybody else is negative and cynical and doesn't believe anything can happen. But here's Caleb, man. He's got a, man, he's not like everybody else. He doesn't fall in line. He's not complaining everywhere. I mean, he has a different spirit. And his different spirit comes because he knows God. And he's following him wholeheartedly. Now, on the other side, you just see some lines. Here's my challenge for you between now and next Sunday. is for you to pray for God to fill those lines in for you. What description would you want as the final word on you? I mean, if you can't think of anything better, still Caleb's. I'd go for that one. Buddy has a different spirit, and he wholeheartedly... Follows God. I got to see that. I'm not asking you. I'm, I'm with Jeff on this one. Don't go make 10,000 resolutions. Right now, just catch a vision. And here's what you do. You ask God to give you that vision. You ask him to tell you who he sees you as. And it, it could come down just to that one sentence. I got a different spirit and I wholeheartedly follow God. So that's your challenge over the next couple of days. Because the day is December the 31st, 2017. You've got the, you're at the same place the people of Israel are. We've got the same decision. You can, you can be negative and you can not believe and, and you can just, you know what happens to them? They just keep wondering. I, I, when, when they say no to God's vision, you know what God does? He says, okay, go at it. Just, just go walk in circles the rest of your life. Just go in circles. Every year is going to be just the same. I mean, God still provided some things for him. He didn't condemn him. He just said, just go, go walk in circles. And guys, you've got a choice today. You can enter 2018 and you can just walk in circles. It can be just like 2017, just like 2016, just like 2015, just like 2008. I mean, or you can decide to step into the promised land. I mean, God has made so many promises to us that we could live the abundant life, that his word wouldn't come back void, that what he's began in us, he will finish in us, that we can do more than we ask or imagine. And you can decide not just to circle the wagons in the next year, you can decide to be that person. Well, buddy, I'm, I'm, I'm old, you know, and I don't, I don't, you know, man, I've been living this way for a long, listen to me. When they finally do enter the promised land, our man Caleb with the different spirit who wholeheartedly follows God, listen to me. He's 85 years old, and they're lining up to go to battle, and Caleb says, give me the hill country. Give me the most difficult part to conquer. You're not too old to dream this morning. So I'm asking you, are you willing to do this? I am meddling in your life today. I'm not talking to anybody else right now but you. And me, are you willing to dream, not about what you want or what you want to purchase or what you want to have happen, are you willing to dream today about what God could do in your life? Are we willing to dream what God could do in this church? In just a moment, we're going to sing, and and maybe your life is so down and you're so discouraged and and you're so depressed that that you you just need to... You just need the church to pray. Maybe say, buddy, this, this all sounds really cool to me. 
He said, would you grab that stool for me on your way up? This all sounds really cool to me, buddy, but the, the truth is, man, I'm so down right now, I can't dream. I mean, and, and, and so right now, just right now, maybe what you need is our faith as a church. Maybe, maybe you, you say, I, I just am at a point where I, I can't dream. I've been living negatively so long. I, I've, just, I've just been making it, and, and I, I need some help on this. And that's why this front row is open, because maybe you need to borrow our faith for a little bit. But here's what I want you to do before we sing. I want everybody to do this. First of all, I want you to clear your lap. If your Bible's in your lap or your phone in your lap, whatever, clear it out. Clear your lap. Then I want you to close your head. Your, your head. <laughs> you probably did that a while ago. I would like you, um, I'd like you to close your eyes. And I want you to get your palms and put them palms down on your legs. Palms down on your legs. And let's start praying. Lord, as we come to the last day of this year, we thank you for all the great things you've done, God. You've been so faithful. But Lord, right now, there's some things that we need to to leave in the year 2017. And we're putting our palms down to symbolize, Lord, that we want to leave some of the guilt We want to lead some of the bad attitudes, Father. We want to lead some of the negativity that we've had in this year, Father. Some of us, we've had some bad circumstances that happened that have just so um, shadowed our whole life that we've not been able to live it to the fullest, Father. Some of us have been through some hurt and some pain, rejection, Father. Some of us have lost loved ones that we just still can't get past, God. But, Lord, right now, God, we want to lay those things before you. We want to release those things. God, God we, we don't need to walk into a new year dominated by those things, or you won't be able to do great things through us. So God, help us just to, to leave those here today. And now if you would, turn your palms up. But most of all, Lord, today, we want to receive what you've got for us. We ask you right now to pour it on, Lord. Pour your Holy Spirit. Shake us up. Do things through us that you have never done. God, we want to have the abundant life that you promised us, Lord. We want to have the life that has an impact everywhere we go. That people go, you know what? That guy, that girl, she's got a different spirit. He acts different on the ball field. He coaches different. He sells different. He parents different. She parents different. We want a different spirit, Lord. We want a different spirit that permeates the walls. That God, when we walk in these doors on Sundays, we come believing that you're about to do something. We don't come just to go through some motions. God, I'm telling you, Lord, I want to be different, Lord. I want to start this new year so differently, God. And I want to be wholeheartedly for you. I know so often I hold my heart back, Lord. I live in the negativity of of, of the day and the negativity of my own mind, Lord. And so right now, God, I'm asking you, I'm asking you, God, for you to do your work. We can't do it on our own. Joshua and Caleb were different, not because they were just different. They were different because they had you. They were different because they saw you. And Lord, as we leave this year and enter a new year, May you pour into us more than anything this unusual, endangered gift 
of vision, of believing we can be more of who you want us to be. So right now we just, we just sit here to receive God. We claim the promise of your word, the theme verse of this message series, that you can do more than we ask or imagine. God, as a church, over the last few weeks, next few weeks, we're going to be asking a lot. And God, we want to believe that you will do more than anything we can dream about. So Lord, pour it on us right now. Help us to leave those things in 2017. Help us to enter 2018 with a different spirit, a wholehearted devotion to you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. If you need more prayers than what we just had, if you need some specific prayers, come right now while we stand and sing.